Hey Disney fan, have you ever wanted to know how we make the magic? Or maybe what's happening at Disney every single week? Well, have we got the podcast for you. This is D23 Inside Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. I'm Jeffrey from D23. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. And we are taking you Inside Disney. Sherry's back. I'm back. Hey, I'm so Sherry. happy to be back. I missed you guys. Aw, well, we missed you as well. You sounded great. I had a lot of FOMO, though. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. We had FOMO as well. <laughs> Anything fun in Disney this weekend? I did watch Christina Dewberry's episode of One Day at Disney, the shorts. Oh, so, so good. good. Cool. She's like my new friend since the expo when I met her because of this project. So to see her finally get her short out there for everyone to see is very cool. So congrats to her. That's that awesome. really cool. I can't wait for you. Yours. Me yeah. too. <laughs> I got to see Call the Wild, nice. which ah. I really enjoyed. I had forgotten a lot of the elements of the book, which I read when I was a much younger human. <laughs> and the cinematography was just breathtaking. And Harrison Ford, always great. And I love the dog. Aww, I thought the dog was yeah. so great. It's such a cute dog. Oh, anyway, I'm excited fuck. for that. Yeah, I got to see yeah, it. Definitely great. So coming up later, we will have Jordan Peterson, the Disney Live Entertainment Show Director for Magic Happens, coming to Disneyland, Woo-hoo! which I cannot wait for. All those previews that we've been seeing. Oh and all, and the, all the merch Ooh. people are posting. So cool. Those previews look so good. But across the country, at Disney's Animal Kingdom, they made some big announcements for what is going to be happening around Earth Day. So I don't know if you guys know, but this year is the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. No And it happens to tie to the 25th anniversary of the Disney Conservation Fund. A lot of our conservation efforts are rooted back with Walt, which I I love that great connection between Mm -hmm. the company. So Earth Day is April 22nd. And leading up to it, starting on April 18th, Animal Kingdom will be doing a bunch of different activities, including a Wild by Nature speaker series, where they're going to bring in some really cool conservation heroes to speak at the Parks Theater in the Wild. Nat Geo is going to have some photographers there sharing their stories. Of course. I love their photography. Beautiful. Yes. And the... Amazing Joe Rohde, one of my favorite Imagineers. Cool. Pandora and all of Disney's Animal Kingdom is going to be doing these uh, Tiffin's Talks. It's a four-course meal with a lively discussion about his life and exploration. (laughs) So not only do you get an amazing meal at Tiffin's, which has the best food at Disney's Animal Kingdom, but you get Joe Rohde. So... That's really cool. Uh, Disney Nature producer Roy Conley is going to be talking about the new Disney Nature films, Elephant and Dolphin Reef, which are going to be on Disney+. Plus. A lot of really great stuff coming up for Earth Day. And I will uh, give another nod to D23, which in the new issue of the publication, which is coming out. Really great, great story written by Courtney Potter on our team about how the company is really coming together from Disney Plus to Disney Nature to Nat Geo to mm-hmm. the parks. It's, it's a really cool story. So uh, all awesome. of our members should be getting that soon. Ooh, very Love excited. it. Well, also over at Walt Disney World, Cinderella Castle is getting a magical makeover. If you guys didn't see it, it's on the Parks blog. There's a cool artist rendition of what the castle will look like. Basically, just picture it more magical, if you can't even It's like imagine. gilded in gold. It's like... <laughs> yes, it's like they just literally wave the wand. I think like, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that easy. This makeover is happening now through the summer in celebration of the 70th anniversary of Cinderella this year. Yay. Amazing. Yeah. That, that film, I love that movie. Right? Me too. It's timeless. I can't it, believe it's been 70 years. Oof. Still looks good today. Feels like just <laughs> yesterday when I saw it in theaters seventy years ago. <laughs> sure, you look so good for seventy. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's magic. This job keeps me young. 
<laughs> well, on this coast at Disney California Adventure, they announced that Ian and Barley from the new Disney Pixar film Onward are going to be making their debuts at Disney California Adventure. They're actually going to do a preview during the Disneyland After Dark Pixar Night special event on March 5th. And the next day, they will be there for all the guests to meet over at Pixar Pier at Disney California Adventure. I cannot wait to see that movie. I'll be first in line. Right? I keep waiting for the email invite to come for the screening. I'm like, it's coming today. Not yet. It will be soon, I'm sure. Well, in other exciting news, guys, okay, my entire life right now, if not Disney, is wedding planning. So this (laughs) just brought it all together. Allure Bridals has created a romantic new collection of bridal wear inspired by the Disney princesses. And oh, man, it's stunning. I've seen some of these. They're beautiful. They are. They really are. You've already said yes to your dress. I have said yes to my dress. But what if I have a a ceremony dress, a reception (gasps) dress, a cocktail hour dress? Yes. My mom will thank me. <laughs> Do the jasmine inspired one. Oh, that would be pretty. I really like the Ariel inspired dress. It has like a mermaid silhouette. Mm. So there are a couple of sketches online right now. But we get to see dresses inspired by Aurora, Belle, Cinderella, Pocahontas, Rapunzel, Tiana, Snow White. I mean, all the hits. All They're the girls. So beautiful. All my girls. <laughs> so this collection will be unveiled during New York Bridal Fashion Week, which will be in April. How cool. Mm-hmm. I love that they come in all sizes, too. Yeah. Yeah, they're cool. in sizes 0 through 30. So there is a dress for every Disney princess out there. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. All right. So we have to talk about Disney+. Plus. I don't know how Ooh. excited you guys are about the Mighty Ducks coming uh, back. But so this, is, this is my jam. So I'm excited about this. And we have some casting updates to talk about. So Emilio Estevez is back as Coach Bombay, which I'm very excited about. They already announced Lauren Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's going to play the character named Alex. You guys know her from Gilmore Girls, of course. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get 10 episodes with this. It's going to debut later this year on Disney+. And the series picks up in present-day Minnesota, where the Mighty Ducks have evolved from the scrappy underdog team to the super competitive powerhouse youth hockey team. And after 12-year-old Evan gets cut from the Ducks, he and his mom, Alex, are going to get help from Coach Bombay. They're going to set out to build up their own ragtag team of misfits and challenges challenge the culture of competitive youth sports. Oh, oh I like that. I'm I intrigued. Too. I loved the original right? films. Ducks, ducks, yeah. ducks, ducks. <laughs> Production on that's going to start later this month in Vancouver, by the way. Road trip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there. All right. Also on Disney Plus, February 28th, Shop Class is going to premiere. So this is a new competition series featuring teams of young builders who are going to be tasked with designing, building, and testing their unique creations. In each episode, you've got a panel of experts who are going to test out their work. They're going to basically critique it on the design creativity, build functionality, and in the final episode, one team is going to be named Shop Class Champs. I didn't do shop class in school. I would probably hammer my thumb through <laughs> a piece of wood. It would not be pretty. I might Me be too. decent at this. I don't know. Justin Long is going to host the show, though. He's also got a team of talented teachers who are going to help guide the competitors while they work on their creations. So very cool. That sounds like really fun. Yeah. Right? I have a lot to learn in that department. I love, no, they get right? so much good unscripted programming on Disney+. Plus. Totally. totally. We are really excited to have a very special guest, calling us up all the way from Anaheim at the Disneyland Resort. Jordan Peterson, show director with Disney Live Entertainment, here to talk with us about the new Magic Happens Parade. Ooh, hey guys, how's it going? Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, we're very excited. So we're just going to kind of take it to the beginning with you. You started as a show and parade performer at Walt Disney World. So tell us what that was like. Oh, man. So, yeah, early on in my Disney career, I did start as a show and parade performer. I learned a phantasmic at Walt Disney World. Uh, and the parade that was running at that time was Disney Stars and Motor Cars at the former MGM Studios, current Disney Hollywood Studios. Um, so that was really my first taste of entertainment in general. I was a parade dancer and, like I said, performer in Fantasmic. And that really spawned uh, a true passion and interest and kind of, you know, performing across the globe. It actually led to so many other roles. I had a chance while I was at Disney to perform as a dancer, as a puppeteer, as a still walker. I was a stunt performer there for a while, an equity actor. And that also carried me to Tokyo Disney, where I got to perform for about a year as well, and then coming back home to Orlando. So it's been a nice long journey, um, but it did kick off as a show and parade performer back in the day. What did you learn from being a performer that you kind of still use today in your role as a director? So it's it was really cool to have the opportunity to experience our product and the stories that we tell live and in person and to immediately get that feedback and reaction from guests. And I think that kind of acted as a, an emotion that I needed to chase from that point out. You know, the opportunity to be standing next to Cinderella and see, uh, you know, a little girl dressed in full Cinderella makeup and hair and done to the nines and she's seeing her idol five feet from her and live and in person and, and you watch in her eyes make-believe has come real dreams do come true and getting to see that live and in person was really just a catalyst for me needing to seek that out more so that actually led to me pursuing the career of show direction and show writing um, because I really wanted the opportunity to give back I was a true Disney fan growing up as well we had annual passes to Walt Disney World even though I lived in Texas most of the time we made yearly trips mm. and I was such a big fan of the park and of those experiences. I needed to be a part of it as a performer. And then as a performer, I got to see those experiences from that angle, live and up close and in person. And really my career as a director has been a chance for me to pay that back and to pay those experiences back to our guests because I owe who I am to Disney Entertainment. So now I'm hoping that the next generation of creators and dreamers and magic makers are inspired because of the product that we put out. That's great. Uh, speaking of creators, there have been a lot of amazing parades at Disneyland. So how do you design and pull together Magic Happens to ensure that it's different and new and fresh? That's a great question. So obviously we have you know an immense, long heritage of amazing parades. Really, when you think about it, I think one of the things that's most synonymous with Disney Entertainment is the Disney parade. There's the, in Florida, the joke, when is the three o'clock parade? I mean, it is part of our culture. Hmm. And, and I don't think anyone else in the world quite is able to capture that exact same magic the way that a Disney parade does. So it is at first daunting, of course, when you sit down to design a parade because you have a legacy in front of you. And it's important to realize that we stand on the shoulders of giants, of those that came before us and that paved the way. And from each parade, you learn a little something else. And you should be a student. You know, you see athletes all the time say they're students of the game. You know, they're watching film. We do the exact same thing on our end. We, we sit back and we'll rewatch, you know, the Eureka Parade from back in the day. I'll go back and look at, remember the Magic Parade. We'll look at some original stuff. We'll look at things from Tokyo. And everybody adds their own little spin. And it's about taking the elements that are just the best and the brightest and the boldest from each of those parades and finding a way to kind of build on them. It's always 
a little silly to think that all of, you know ideas are going to be purely original and why not you know rely on your heritage to create something great so when you sit back and and start that design process you definitely want to make sure at the core of everything we do we honor our past but we focus on the stories we want to tell so in reality with this parade we started with a simple concept magic happens and what does that mean to us you know we go around the room and you talk to the people that are on the core team developing it and what does magic happen mean to you when it comes to disney what was that magic old moment that you saw in a film that always makes you get goosebumps or tear up or you know makes your heart sore for some it's you know arthur pulling the sword from the stone for others you know it's watching you know uh, miguel strum the guitar and seeing that journey begin it's moana cresting the wave of an ocean you know because her grandma told her to magic occurs every day in our characters lives and really once we boiled it down to that simple truth the parade kind of just poured out of us from there Wow. When did you guys actually start working on Magic Happens? Because I feel like it's got to take a while for a parade to go from an idea to we're watching it on Main Street, USA. It feels like 84 years ago. It was not. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a couple of years oh. ago. So in reality, from concept to street, you're looking at between two and two and a half years. That's the typical development period of a lot of our products when it comes to entertainment. And it's interesting to watch how fast it all starts to come together. Honestly, I was in love with this parade from probably the second week when we really gathered our thoughts and it started to come together conceptually. From that point on, it was the most painful process waiting for it. I'm a week and a half away from debuting it and I'm still just a ball of emotion and energy because I want our guests to see it so badly. So honestly, it's a wonderfully torturous two-year process. (laughs) Wow. Can you guide us through the floats that we're going to see? Absolutely. So the floats that you're going to see, um, you know, we start with Mickey's float. You know, he leads the way. And it was important for us to open with Mickey Mouse because really no one encapsulates the idea of Disney magic more than Mickey. Yes, you've got the literal side of him with Sorcerer Mickey, um, but at the same time, there's just something that is just esoterically magical about Mickey. You know, and we knew that we were doing a, a brand new take on a very contemporary forward soundtrack right out the gate. You know, the, the costumes that are coming out the gate immediately are, again, very fashion forward and a little edgy. So we wanted to make sure that the first statement we made with the float and with our character with Mickey was one of comfort and whimsy. And I think there's something that will be fun about hearing this music and being like, wow, this is so totally different. And then right as the gate opens, you're greeted with probably everyone's best friend and the smiling face of Mickey Mouse. Following behind Mickey, you'll see the story uh, that we start to tell. The first story we tell is that of Moana. Um, So you'll see her sailing on her Voyager canoe um, as we've kind of carved her story into koa wood and brought it to life on the streets. Uh, You move into the world of Coco. You see the Coco float. You'll see Miguel connected by the Marigold Bridge to Hector and Imelda as they tell the story of the land of the living and the land of the dead and what it means for true family and, you know, the proud Corazon. And then we move into the world of Frozen 2. Again, a, a, a wonderful example of magic incarnate, you know, this celebrates the celebrates the elements and, and this magical bond between sisters, the literal magic of the forest. And it gave us a whole lot of new stories to tell right there. And then we move to our grand finale, and it wouldn't be Disney if our finale wasn't over half of our parade. Um, so our grand finale is truly that. It's grand. Um, and these are 
moments frozen in time and the most magical moments that we could think of. So you're going to see Cinderella as the coach is transforming from a pumpkin into a carriage. We've frozen that moment of time and etched it into stained glass, made it look like a music box. You'll see the vines kind of twisting and forming into wheels. You'll see the fibers of the pumpkin pulling apart into that stained glass effect. Behind, you'll see Sword in the Stone, one of my favorites, and no one's more magical than Merlin, I think, obviously. And again, that moment and that belief that a boy you know, who comes from nothing could become king. What a better way to celebrate that than to capture the magical moment that Arthur pulls the sword from the stone. Following behind that, you see Princess Tiana and Naveen as they share their kiss and transform back into their human forms. Uh, we've recreated that element of the swamp. You'll see these Swarovski crystals swirling around them to represent the magic. And then to truly end the grand finale, what better story to tell than that of Sleeping Beauty? And it belongs here, home at Disneyland. Uh, you'll see the three good fairies and their magic as they lead the float and they're moving up and down and, you know, Flora, Fauna and Meriwether and they're fighting between make it pink and make it blue as her dress magically shifts between the two colors. And then you see her and her prince waltzing what seems to be on air sailing at the back of the float while this light and effortless castle cascades towards the heavens. Wow, that sounds magical. Unbelievable. <laughs> Cannot wait to see this parade. Seriously. Road trip. Yes. Are there any like hidden Easter eggs on any of those floats you just mentioned that Disney fans should be on the lookout for? Sure, there are absolutely. There are little nods throughout, um, which... I think it was important for us because we are all true Disney fans. Mm-hmm. And so we put tons of these little nods throughout the parade consistently. You'll see some more obvious ones maybe. You'll see the squirrels from Sword in the Stone uh, watching on. You'll see Archimedes there moving back and forth. In Moana, you may see the Heart of Tefiti float past. You may see some other friends that you know share the ocean as their bond to Moana sail past. And there are personal touches too for each of us that make the parade special. Uh, to be honest, there's one that really is special to me. So I just had my first child, my daughter, Quinn, and I've hidden even oh, there. Oh, congratulations. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And there is a small nod to her in the finale float so that when she is five and she comes and sees her first parade, she'll be able to say that was there. That's from my dad to me. Aww. Oh, Love that's that. so great. Having been a performer, I'm guessing you know how important that materials can be for costumes. So I'm wondering, what, what did you take into consideration to make sure that the costumes were functional, but also spectacles? That is a fantastic question. So that was the most difficult aspect of this parade, I would say, is realizing these beautiful conceptual pieces of art. If you look at the concept art for the parade when it comes to the costumes, truly, I don't think I've seen anything drawn so perfectly before. And that's a wonderful scary thing because then you're setting the tone and you have to hope that you can both create that in the real world and you have to create something like you said that can stand up to performing every day consistently across the board and look just as perfect and look just as magical from day one to day 365 so i will say that i am incredibly proud of the costuming team specifically because they go in and they design to their hearts content to where it looks beautiful but at the same time they make sure along the way they're working with the choreographers Uh, the choreographers are are trying on every costume every shoe every boot every accessory to make sure that the costume can stand up to the dance itself and it, it adds a lot of time and a lot of effort but it's done with such love and such passion because we want it to look 
just as great as it did on paper and just as wonderful it does on the street. So it, it's just, it's really about putting in the time and the effort and all these different artistic disciplines working together. And that's exactly what they were able to achieve here because they look like they did on the paper and they dance just as beautifully as you'd think they would. Aww, since wow. this is the first full-on Moana and full-on Coco floats, what made this the right time for those films and those stories to be a part of this parade? Not only were they the newest stories, but they're such wonderful stories and inclusivity is so important to us. And it's so important that everyone who comes to see a Disney parade can see themselves represented in that parade. And I think these stories gave us the opportunity to make sure that everyone will walk away and be able to point to an aspect of the parade and say, that's me. That's who I am. That's my culture. That's my story. That's my family. I see myself reflected in it, and therefore I want to go home and take that magic with me when I see you know, my family and the people that I love. Oh, I love that, and yeah. so true. So we've been asking our fans on social media, the people who are following Disney D23 on Instagram and Twitter, for some questions for you, and we've got a few good ones, so we're going to start tossing them out to you. So Bila underscore W asked, do you have a favorite float in the parade? So that's like asking a parent who their favorite child is. And um, well, so, you only have one child, though. So I exactly, think like I only have one, so it's answer. easy. Quinn is my favorite. <laughs> um, so, no, honestly, I do. Um, and, and what I do like about this parade, and this isn't uh, an exaggeration to say the reason that I love it so much, is this answer will shift each time you ask me from week to week. And that's a, that's a wonderful sign um, because if you always had just the one and you know, then you'd say, well, why aren't the others rising to that occasion? So I'll say right now, I do believe that the Moana float is my favorite float. It is the perfect blend of technology, but not for technology's sake. It's how you weave art and tech together to better tell a story. It advances a narrative as opposed to just showing off tech for the sake of it. So I, really, when you see it come down the street, I want everyone to pay so close attention to the texture of, the, of what looks like true koa wood, the carvings that are intricately etched inside. Scott and Katie, our art directors, when they created these floats, they really paid so much attention to detail. And every time you see the parade, it's going to be way overwhelming to take it all in one time. I promise you're going to want to come back and see it again because each time you'll notice a different aspect of each float that's just the small details and and the love is there in the details but the first thing you take away when you see Moana is this stunning view screen into the magic of the ocean you're literally looking into the world of Moana the animation style everything about it feels like you're peering into the wave the inspiration was drawn from when the ocean first shows her the heart and peels back and you kind of get that window into this beautiful world as the turtle swims past we've captured that moment we've frozen it into a float and we're hoping that it's something that people take away with them and talk about as they reminisce about the parade even the next day. Wow, that sounds amazing. All right, we have a question for you from the PhD princess who asks, what was the most challenging float to create? Well, doctor, um, the most challenging (laughs) float. (laughs) Great question. So I would say creating the effortless, airy bridge quality to the Marigold Bridge on the Cocoa Float probably required 
the most engineering. You know, this is a single unit, so it's, you know, making it look like it's two individual floats connected by this beautiful Marigold Bridge um, is a feat of engineering. I'll say that Kirk and our technical direction team, again, their job, those are unsung heroes of these development processes because you see the art and you see the beauty and everyone talks about that, but nobody talks about how it moves down a street. These are giant, (laughs) working, amazing machines, and the engineering and the thought process that goes into them and the tech is difficult but worth it in the end when you look at the front of the float you'll see miguel appearing in person there on the float and then you'll see the bridge and then you've got dante appearing and coming in and out and changing forms and becoming an alabrije on the back of the float you've got hector and imelda brought to life for the first time ever in a brand new fantastic way and then if you pay close attention look look at the city of the dead underneath hector and imelda it is a total recreation of that world with wrought iron and working windows and lights and flickering and it's like the city has been brought to life and then even on the back is a little fun nod when you'll see the um, barking dog act if you'll remember from the film all of those Mm -hmm. carry with them their own logistical difficulties so that float was pretty hard to bring to life because there were so many aspects of the story from coco that we wanted to tell and i think we managed to tell all of them in a pretty unique and uh, fantastic way So a lot of people, just so you know, asked if Mickey and Minnie were going to appear in the parade, and you've already answered that, so thank you for all of those nice people. So Be Our Guest Dest was curious, and you may have just hinted to this by saying there's some of the lights on the cocoa float. Will the parade also run at night, and and will those, those lights will get to be seen in a different way? Absolutely. So one of the unique and special aspects of a day parade at Disneyland is that it doesn't just run during the brightest of day at 3.30. It's also going to run around 6 o'clock, which depending on the time of year, sometimes it will run at 6 o'clock, which depending on the time of year is pretty close to dark and dusk. So we do have to design from the ground up knowing that this parade will be viewed in the evening. And it comes to life in a whole new way when you catch it on its second performance of each day. The lights, again, like I said, you'll see the city light up itself, the proscenium around Coco and all of that, the lanterns that occur there. Moana obviously lights up like no other. Gramatala has these beautiful lights that are really only able to be seen in the evening version of the parade. Mickey's hat and the strobe sparkle and come to life. And Frozen, the same thing with the ice. It glistens from within. Knock the Water Horse has this beautiful light feature that makes it look like it's just flowing water at all given times. Tiana and Naveen, you're going to see fireflies twinkling above their heads in, in the bayou tree that's hanging over them. Cinderella's carriage has beautiful lighting as well. And of course, the finale indeed is, is included when it comes to dramatic lighting. So Nick, our lighting designer, did an amazing job of looking at this parade, both from a daytime viewpoint and an evening viewpoint, and making sure that the story that we tell for each is the correct story. Wow. We have another question for you from T.S. Wade, too, who asks, what made you decide to include Sword in the Stone in the parade? So including Sword in the Stone was actually one of the first stories that we agreed upon. When we sat down and we talked about those moments that make us as designers love Disney and want to be a part of the magic, that was pretty much unanimous across the board. Not only was it one of our favorites, it's also important to the park. The Sword in the Stone has been such a cool aspect of Disney's story, Disneyland and Disney World. So it felt like it belonged. It would be right at home. We've described it as a love letter to Disneyland and specifically to these fans. It felt like a float that deserved to be seen by the people that come to Disneyland. And it felt like it would be appreciated. And I'll say we do, you know, pay attention online. We do watch, you know, as we see people's feedback come back. And the joy that I think the inclusion of Sword in the Stone has brought has 
validated us and made us feel really great because truly everyone's really excited about that aspect, as are we. I know I am. <laughs> so we end every interview by asking, what is your favorite Disney memory? That's one of those ones you want 30 minutes ago to think on. Um, so <laughs> let me say that I have I have two right now and they're both going to be my favorite disney memories that are going to come from the aspect of creation because that's the world that i'm living in right now i'm sure if i went back and thought about performance there would be plenty of those as well but two things one fun and one a little bit deeper for me so the fun one is i had a chance to when i took traditions so for anyone that doesn't know traditions is the class that you take whenever you start at disney i've taken it many times as i have come back and forth (laughs) and uh in traditions they say what's the one thing you want to do you know if you could do anything for disney and snap your fingers and make it happen and i said i want to bring power line and i want to bring the music from eye to eye into the park and find a way to show that off because it's my favorite right um i'm a 90s kid and (laughs) that's my jam and so i had a chance to um, help design event robin trowbridge the show director completed the event but i took the fireworks for it uh, which was disney after dark uh, 90s night and for that i got to create a fireworks show that we called afternoon after dark and as i pitched the fireworks show we went through all these great disney afternoon classic stories gummy bears and we're doing the music from darkwing duck and i got to record you know the voices and everything about it was so much fun and then i got to the part where i was like and now i I want to do eye to eye power line and i got from some people some questions because that wasn't necessarily a movie that was you know at the forefront of our culture at the time and they're like well why do you want to end with that end with ducktales because that's the big one i was like no, no no you guys have to trust me like you have to trust me as soon as we hit the opening <laughs> as soon as we hit the opening notes uh, i promise you it's going to work and you know my team fully supports me and we we're able to and we did the recording session, and at the end of DuckTales, you hear Goofy accidentally hit the chords backstage, and he powers the whole thing down, and you hear him say, gosh, I'm so sorry, and he says, hey, Maxie, you're on. And at that, you hear that opening, bump, ba-na-na, and I've never, I've been in Disney parks for my entire life, 30 years, and I've been a performer for 15, and I've never heard Main Street USA erupt that loudly in my life because I was surrounded by my fellow 90s brethren and that opening chord of Powerline and the place went crazy and the oxygen just got taken out of the room in the best of ways. Um, So that's one of my favorite like excited moments in Disney history for me like to to know that like oh my gosh we got it right we nailed it and we paid off this awesome awesome piece of franchise history I, I, I loved it and then one of my other favorite moments that's been a little bit more esoteric and beautiful is we, we got permission to do an event for so Oogie Boogie Bash was my um, last project before this parade and one of the elements was called Villains Grove and it was the first time that we tried to do something entirely original for us for the park very artistic the music was you know evocative and emotional and there there weren't characters involved and there wasn't specific storytelling and it was so wonderfully satisfying to sit back and watch guests walk through this experience and emerge from the final scene through this fog of light and sound and come out and just have this cathartic new experience at disney you know at a certain point when you're a true disney fan for all of our d23 fans we know that you feel like i've seen it all i've done it all and when we're able to surprise and delight and to push boundaries we're disney we're supposed to be the people that are innovating and creating all the time and when we get the chance to do that and our guests get to take that in it's truly magical that's awesome thank you so much jordan it sounds like you have an amazing job we're all excited for february 28th for magic happens to start rolling out at disneyland super excited and again thank you for letting us talk about something that we love so much we think that 
our guests will feel that love in this parade specifically, from the choreography to the costumes to the floats to the music. And um, we hope that they take away the amount of magic that I used to take away as a guest, because, again, this is just our chance to say thank you. Love it. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.